Hey, Marie. Happy Sunday. Hi, Diane. Happy Sunday to you, too. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing great today. Good. You sound good. Oh, I'm up and I've been working a lot. I've done a whole lot already today. Oh, you're doing better than me, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm up. <laughs> I'm sitting up. I'm sitting. Okay, that's half the battle. Yes. That's half the battle. Yes. So um, I'm getting a lot of reports on our past two episodes. So, um, you know, customs dropping knowledge. I'm excited. Me too. We'll just keep it going. <laughs> keep it going. Let's keep it moving. Well, uh, last week, I think we ended with me telling you that a friend of mine, when I was at one of the worst jobs in I was calling, trying to complain and cry at the same time. He told me to stop asking for a new job. Don't even ask for a new job. Ask for my right and perfect place. So I was thinking, <laughs> we got off the call. You know, I wrote down what that affirmation looked like, and I read it for a while. And every morning I wake up, sometimes when I think about that, mom- that moment, I realize that I'm in my right and perfect place, that um that I'm free to do what I want to do most days. So um, this week we said we're going to talk about purpose, and both of you and I have tried a lot of things. <laughs> Are we going to talk about the things we tried or the things we have, all of our ideas plus the things we tried? Two separate two separate categories. So I wasn't, I didn't know which where you wanted to go with that, but I'll follow your lead. <laughs> well, um, Oh, well, you know, you just threw me off because, oh, let me go back to this point. Uh, when I sent that thing out, we sent that the episode about the number of jobs, and I was having trouble with my PayPal account, so I had to call PayPal and do an authentic- authentication. And so they asked me certain questions, and one of the questions they asked me, have I ever worked at this company? And I was thinking, I didn't even put that company on the list of my jobs. And- <laughs> So you missed one. I think I missed more than one. <laughs> so I was talking to another friend and she was like, that as you speak and I'm writing mine down. And so I was telling her that um, that I think that that's once I realized I think I'm past 30 now that um, I should I be disturbed. I should I just keep my eye on the sailboat, uh, your concept of the wind blowing the sails. So. I've been going a lot of destinations. So um, so the same thing with, uh, it kind of falls into me having, or you you and I starting these businesses um, that some of them came out of me trying to, once I was laid off or not working, how can I use what I've learned and um, use it as a commodity or monetize it to make money to, um, to create my own income. So some came out of that and mm-hmm. some came out of just ideas. So, um, but one of the things I was thinking, but that's, I think you are, we are who we are. I know I'm, am, I, I am who I am as a little kid, like at um, like six, between six and eight or something. I had a business then it was a, used to get uh, like newspapers or magazines. You could buy seeds. I remember begging for money to buy seeds, uh, vegetable seeds, so I could resell them. I think I got the money from somewhere to start buying these seeds and 
reselling them. So I was, oh. so I, I was young. And then I remember we were even younger, maybe in the fourth grade though. My brother and one of my best friends and I had a circus in the backyard and we charged people. We only had one or two kids to come, but we charged this girl. She actually paid us. So I think that um, we are who we are and we don't, it's just something, it must be something inside that you come already programmed to, mm-hmm. to uh, be creative, to to be adventurous, to keep getting on this boat and wanting to go to a new destination. So I don't know if that happens with you, how you came up with your different ideas to start your different businesses, but. Um, I think for me is I had a really good example in my father. Yes, yes, yes. Because, you know, he had a full-time job and it's all, I call it, you know, James Richardson's model. I kind of use that. I like models. So he had a full-time job at Langley but he had a the barbershop business that was thriving and it was cash and carry. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, so think about it. He had a full-time job at Langley. He had six kids. He had a one acre farm that he farmed every morning before he went to work. Um, and, and he had a wife that was sick on yeah. and off. So I, I've always looked at him to say, if he can do it, I can mm-hmm. do it. So he was my model all along. And he didn't just stop at the barbershop day. And a lot of people probably don't know this in the family is that he had the barbershop. But then in, when Pac-Man came out, mm-hmm. he, he he bought some uh, machines, yeah. some some that kids could play games on. And um, so I remember it because I was one of those people he kind of chose to give a bunch of quarters Mm -hmm. to. And I would sit there and the kids would come over and I would change their dollars for quarters. and They put it in the machine, you know, and then he was the kind of guy who was always thinking Mm -hmm. ahead. So after we had the house fire, when we went to court about that in Norfolk, we went there for two weeks, every day for two weeks. From that experience, my father, and he died and couldn't you know, start it, is he recognized the need to, for someone to wash the windows in those high-rise wow. buildings. So he had bought these long you know, uh, brushes, and he was getting ready to start that business. He also recognized the need that people had for moving from place to place. So he bought a moving truck, a U-Haul wow. truck. And move people. I was one of those people that he moved. I mean, so I learned entrepreneurship by watching him. Wow, I didn't know that. I knew when you said about him having a barbershop and working at Langley full time, what I remember is he would come home and really, and he stood up all the time, never really see him sat down and maybe drank a cup of coffee. If you, he looked through, he looked through mm-hmm. the mail in the kitchen, he might have right. ate something something very small because he was a very thin man I, was, I, I remember seeing him like eating was not he was not living to eat <laughs> yes he stood he up and ate he never sat down and ate. And then he, yes he stood then he up put and that ate. white uh barber jacket on and went to the second job that's right so he he got off work at i think he got to work at like four and he opened up the barbershop at wow. six but the thing that the, the, the thing on top of that, so he started at like seven, I think, but he would come in. You would, when I was leaving out in the morning to go to Phoebus, he had already tilled the land, planted some seeds, 
before he I, went I, to I work. See, I remember that. And that's yeah. Remember that? Yeah. So he had a full day. He had a full day. So and I and I and you know what? He was one of those people that when I was living there after I divorced mm-hmm. and came back, you couldn't even though I had time to take off work, it couldn't take off. Because I would take off and he would come home. Well, what are you doing off? You yeah. can go to work today? What's wrong with you? Yeah. You sit. Uh Daddy, we do have you know days you can take off. Well, what you taking off for? Do you need to take off? <laughs> so yeah, I learned the entrepreneurship and hard work from from you had a great from model. him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I was thinking about your dad. Um, one of my friends calls those types of people dinosaurs. It's not that many of those people left that will, you know, really have about an 18 or 20 hour day. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I've never really heard him complain about being tired or he didn't talk about that. I don't remember hearing him complaining or talking about being tired or even talking about the job he just went to the next you know kept it moving so you know you, you know what I did I ever tell you the lesson he taught me about vision I think but I can't remember I, I remember you telling but I remember told you to look outside but I can't remember what it was or look at the wall or something I can't remember so tell me it was because uh, you, you talked about finding your purpose so this was this was when I was, I just, it was, I had, I had worked at Hurt Selenese. I didn't move to Charlotte with them. And I went back to school full time. I had 30 hours to do my degree, to finish my undergrad. I did it in a year, the 30 hours. And, oh, I was on top of the world. I graduated now. I finally had this sheet of paper degree, but I was mm-hmm. broke. I mean, penniless mm-hmm. broke uh, by that point. So then I went to I went to Washington D.C. One of my first mentors, first jobs, first mentor. She had a job for me to do as a bookkeeper because I did that on the side. I was a bookkeeper. I did her books for her for her business. And I came back and before going to D.C., I was down in the dumps. Went to D.C. and I came back like the world's my oyster. I don't have a job. It was a you know recession. Couldn't find a job. And my father, my father saw me when I came back and he said, oh, did you get a job or something? I said, no, Diddy, I got something better than that. I got a better attitude. He said, that's all you need. He said, I'm going to show you something. And he said, come here, come here and sit here. He asked me to sit on, sit on the bed. And he we were in his room, sit on the bed. He had his 7-Eleven cup mm-hmm. of coffee. And he said, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to look at that $7 cup of coffee. Just look at the cup, look at the cup, look at the cup. You do what he said. I looked at the cup. And he said, now, I want you to find the cup in the wall. I said, what? He said, look at the cup and then look at the blank wall and find the cup in the wall. And I'm like, I don't understand that, but I did it. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing, Daddy. I don't know. He said, do it again. And I did it maybe four or five times. And then like the fourth time, I looked at the white wall and I kind of saw the seven and the red 11. It's like, wow, what is that? I said, I think I see it. He said, no, you don't see it. Do it again. I did it mm-hmm. two more times. The third time I did it, you might as well have put oh, the wow. cup in the wall. The cup was coming out of the wall. It was very, it was the cup was in the wall. Right? And he said, now, here's what I want you to know. Don't ever forget this. He said, whatever you want, it's That's already right. there. 
you know, so if, but you got to know what you're looking for. So you have to know what you want to find it. I never forgot that. And that's, that's, and that's how I go from thing to thing. Cause I always have that vision of what I want. Then I can find it. Mm. When you was talking, when you were saying that, um, reminded me of something my mother told me. I think I was going through something similar. I was in Danville. I don't think I had just, I think I just finished graduate school and good rent to finish. And I didn't know what I should do. And so my mother came in my bedroom. She said, Diane, what are you doing? And I said, I was always typing on the computer or reading something or writing something. And she said, what are you doing without a job? How are you so busy without a job? And so, so I said, what are you talking about? She said, every time I come in here, you're doing something. Come in your room, you're doing something. And so she said, first of all, you don't have to read anything else or do anything else to get what you're trying to get. It's already inside of you. And she said, mm-hmm. come to the front door and look outside. And she said, what do you see? I said, I see my car and I see daddy's car. She said, what do you want to see? And she said, mm-hmm. I said, I'm not sure what you're asking. She said, imagine you have another car besides that car. You Imagine your next car. What are you saying? Mm-hmm. She said, imagine your next car. What next car do you want? So I really had an image of a car that I want. And so she said, it's already out there. Whatever you want, it's already out there. It's waiting on you. And so That's right. I think that we were, we were blessed that we had people in our lives who were very close to us, our parents, that knew there was something already inside of us. All we had to do was go get it. And so, and I think that's, that's right. what that purpose thing is, that we are still believing that something that we're supposed to be doing or have done or going to do it's out there and we are trying to get there. But I really think that that's, since I said that, and I was thinking, why so why have I tried so many things? I think because everything that we tried or are trying, it's really not about us. It's somebody that we're touching or doing as we've done mm-hmm. it. We might not know who that is. We don't know who that is or what that is, but it's, we've already done it. Right. And, and a large, a large part of that is about uh, yes. wisdom because we've, we've done yes. so many things. Right. Uh, and we've learned so much from the people that came before us. Uh, I kind of see that like, and I'm always kind of going back to that metaphor of track because that's in me too, is, is I'm holding the baton. So for people that held it before me, my mother, my father, mm-hmm. Paul Wesley, they've passed it on mm-hmm. to me, right? That baton is kind of like beginning your birth and your death. That baton mm-hmm. is that middle part. You got the baton. What right. are you going to do with it? You know, what 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 impact are you going to make? Because eventually you're going to have to pass exactly. the baton on. You're not going to be able to hold that baton. Your, your race will mm-hmm. be done. Yes. But I think that since you're saying, I think we run many races. We we will run a final race, but we've ran a lot of laps. <laughs> you know. Yeah, we've we ran, ran a lot, lot of laps. laps. You yeah. know. And mm-hmm. everyone we touch, or everyone we and we pass the baton, and we've got baton back, and we keep running until you run. You know, you run your final race. And 
your, fi- your final lap. Your final, your final lap. lap. And you and you want to run it yes. full out. You know, you want to sprint yes. out. You know, you want to sprint full out. The, yeah, well, this lady, uh, one time I was on a business trip, and I was going to go, I think, downstairs to eat, but I cut the television on, and it, they had HBO. And it was this uh, black woman. Her name mm-hmm. is B. Richards. She played Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, oh, yeah, so I know she, that is. Um, she was being interviewed by this young black actress. I forgot the woman's name. She was in one of those law shows. And um, and she wanted to interview her because she had worked with her in Beloved. Um, she was one of Oprah's daughters in Beloved. Uh, not the, the one that was in Set It Off was the other actress. I forgot. I don't forgot her name. But she interviewed her. She went over there every day and interviewed her. And then actually she started taking a camera crew. And one of the things that B. Richards said, she talked about her life and she had a rich, full life, you know, um, you know, being a black actress back in the 30s or 40s, it wasn't easy, but um, she still had a full life. You know, she was in all kinds of movies and plays. But she said that one of the things that she glad that the young lady was interviewing her because um, her life was spent. And so she right. was glad that... Right. The lady, because her life was spent. And I said, you know, that's what I want to do. And she said, before she leaves, she wants to spend everything. She wants to be exhausted. And she, and so that's one of the things I said, oh, yeah. So that's what we have to do. We have to spend this life. And because you're not going to leave with anything anyway. So spend the whole inside of you. So maybe that's why you and I have done the jobs and the businesses, because we're trying to spend this life. You know, I used to have this this little magnet on my refrigerator door years ago, and it said, live the width of your life, not just the length, you know, so it's wide, not just the length of it, but make it wide. Yeah, well, I remember one day I was, I was going to go to church, it was a long time ago, it's like my 30s or something, and I was, but I decided not to go, because I just laid on the bed. And I cut uh, WHUR, which is Howard University's radio in D.C. station, very popular. And they paid um, this man who was speaking at Howard University Rankin Chapel. And he, he was talking about Emerson. And he said that Emerson, I think when he went to Walden's Pond, he was kind of running away from life. And he was, um, you know, out there working and writing. And he was out there for a long time by himself. And he said he realized right. after being out there so long, he was really, he started feeling lonely. And so he said that what he learned out there was that this thing has always stuck with me and made me get off the bed that day. He said that he realized that life is something that you should live and live abundantly. But what he had done going out to Walden's Pond, he had life, let life push him into a corner. And he said, you should be living life so boldly and so so with uh and wonder that you should put push life into a corner you you shouldn't let life push you into a corner so that's another thing that I kind of do I try to make sure I spend this life but also the days when I have the great energy I try to push life into a corner you know like I, I if I if I left today I feel like I haven't missed anything um because I have, you know, I've tried a million things, had a million jobs. Right. 
And so, um, and also too, it's well, I think when you don't let life push you into a corner, you um, it, it's you get a chance to explore and experience life. And I think life is for experiencing too and exploring. And so, yes. um, so you know, mm-hmm. I've had a um, a lot of I've started a lot of business even as a little kid. But one of the things I like about uh, starting businesses, because I think I like researching too. When my mother was coming to my room, I was always reading and researching. And thank God for the internet, because now you can go into this black hole and be just, you can actually go to the Library of Congress online. So, you know, you can read, look at stuff that, you know, you wouldn't have at your hands 50 years ago. You can go right and look at right. it, you know, through a PDF. But I think that one of the things I like about starting businesses and, and actually even working in, in uh, I don't know if I like working for people that much. I'll say that out loud. I don't think I enjoy going to a job that much, but I enjoy more consulting and thinking than actually sitting at work. Um, and that's why some in my writing perfect place, because I don't have to go sit at a job. But, um, <laughs> but and, I, and I think that once you get older, even before, you should know what your shortcomings are or what you're not good at. And I'm not good at sitting at a place pretending like I like to be there. Um, That's not who I am. And now that I know that, now I understand why some of the jobs I've had, some of the jobs I've had has been in outside sales. And God knew that I didn't like sitting in the office. Um, And so I enjoy being, having having autonomy of what I do and and creating what I do. and making it happen and just sitting somewhere doing routine things is not really me. Um, but um, so I think that I enjoy having a lot of things going on. You know, most people like it, it's too much. <laughs> it's just too much. <laughs> but I enjoy it. Like, you know, like in sales, you have like when I sold pharmaceuticals, I had like five hospitals and 20 pharmacists and 200 physicians that I had to manage. So that's the same way I think. You know, I can manage multiple projects in my mind uh, on paper. Um, I like going from thing to thing. And some people don't. And so I think that's why I start new businesses. I still have that inside of me. I love doing different things. I love discovering. And and once you know that, once I know, not, not once you, once I know that I'm okay with who I am. That's who I am. And that's who I have to be the best version of me. And that's how I push life into a corner. Then life pushed me into a corner. You know, I think that for some people, it's it's really difficult for them Mm -hmm. to find their Mm -hmm. purpose, right? And, you know, talk about, you know, life pushing you into a corner. What it made me think about is it made me think about Joseph Campbell. So I discovered Joseph Campbell, oh, wow, probably 20 years ago when there was a blockbuster video. And I remember one in there and it was these DVDs mm-hmm. about the power of myth and it was where Bill Moyers was interviewing Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell was like, a, he was a professor mm-hmm. of comparative mythology. And so that's where I learned, too, about all the different types of religions and the universality mm-hmm. of those religions, right? What he talked about is he talked about following your bliss. 
right? So when you find it, when you get on that path of your bliss of what you're here to do, doors will open for you where there aren't any doors for other people. So in the order to get there, that life pushing you into a corner is he talks about that, you know, his whole thing is about the hero's journey and the hero is you, you're the hero of this, of this journey, but you have to find that hero in yourself. And a lot of people can't ever tap into the hero is because they're, he talks about the dragon and the dragon, you know, think about a dragon, like a serpent and an eagle, the dragon guards mm-hmm. things, right? And is guarding in this hero's journey so you don't ever become that hero mm-hmm. is guarding your heart. It's guarding uh, what you're supposed to be. And what I kind of got from all of that in slaying the dragon for me was okay. the thoughts, right? So I have to get out of my mind. Don't live in my mind. Don't mm-hmm. live with the recurring thoughts. And the only way that I could get there was to learn to meditate, to truly meditate, you know, sitting meditation, walking meditation on labyrinth. That's how I was able to slay the dragon for me was my thoughts. But a lot of people to me, they just kind of live this life day after day with these routines, with these reoccurring thoughts, but they never really figure out why they're here. And some people don't figure that out until they're on the deathbed of what it was really all about. Yes. I think that, um, I, I talk about Joseph Campbell. I just really got introduced to him about two or three years ago. Um, but he talks about rituals too, you know, and some countries have, um, you know, kind of mm-hmm. initiations into manhood and womanhood. And so um, right. I think that that's one of the things that we're probably missing in our culture that, we don't have those initiations to grow up and to mature. Correct. Um, but um, that thing about living in your head, one time I was talking to my niece and she was telling me to tell me something about something. And I said, tell yourself a different story. Take that tape out or that DVD out or whatever, you know, or that song off of your iPad, I mean, iPod list. And tell yourself a different story. What story would you tell yourself? How you want things to be? And I think that one of my friends always talk about stop living up in your head. But if you if we we can live up mm-hmm. in our heads, like you talk about meditation. But what visions are you seeing? And if they're not the visions that you will really want to be a part of, change the vision. You know, change the nightmare and make it a vision or make it something beautiful. Um, you know. I think that I think about our meditation and affirmations. One of my friends introduced me that probably about 15 or 20 years ago. And that's how he, you know, he talked to me about writing my write down the affirmation about my what my right and perfect place would look like. And I remember one time, one of your businesses, <laughs> you gave me <laughs> you gave me this little box <laughs> and it was a dream box of a pencil on the side and a new pad on the side. <laughs> oh yes yes put your cares yes. and your concerns in there right <laughs> cares and concerns box okay yes I ran across that the and other so, day actually at the time I had just moved to DC and I came up here with a job and then I got I had a consulting job and then I got a real job but then they, they let me go so I had to go get another job just to pay the rent and I remember 
I would be worried about the rent and the bills. And so every month I would write down, Lord, let me pay my rent. <laughs> Just let me pay these bills and let me keep a job. Hey. You know, show me how to keep a job so I can pay the rent. And Lord, just let me pay the rent because I need a roof over my head. And then one day I heard a sermon or read something and said, so why do you keep asking for the same thing? That if you'd ask God for it one time, why don't you just ask it for a lifetime? So I wrote in your little, I wrote in that little, uh, took the little pencil and a little pad on the side. And I said, Lord, mm-hmm. keep me sheltered in an in, in a income for the rest of my life until I see you. And I took your box and the pen on the pencil on the side and I threw it in the trash can because I don't have to ask for that anymore. I just. <laughs> wow. And so I said, Stop. Believe God is a good parent. You have a child, but not ever want your child. I think there is an audio issue. You're you're here. Okay, I can hear you, but now? not well. Okay, so I was. I can hear you much better now. I asked, you know, so if I think of God as a good parent, a good parent will also always want the child to have, you know, the basics. So why wouldn't God want me to have the basics or even more, a more abundant life? So I said, let me stop asking for the basics and just assume that that's given. I'm always going to have that. But uh, I thank you for the box for that. I See, that's what I was talking about. Sometimes when you, when God give us these ideas for a business, it might not be for us to make get rich or to get patents or you know be in Walmart or whatever we look whatever we think or might happen. It might for you might have made that box just for me to trust God, just to trust God. Right. I think I kept it for a year or two. Just every month I would write down my bills. <laughs> <laughs> That is so funny. Oh, that is so funny. You never know how you're impacting people. You never know what you create and yeah. how it's going to help well, you other never people. Know. You never know. You know, you and I came up with this dropping knowledge, cousins dropping knowledge. Uh, one of my friends called me. I wasn't going to answer the phone because it was early in the morning. You know, not, it was early for me because I don't go to bed until like four or five. So like nonsense. And I hadn't put her home number in my, um, you know, in my, locked it in my phone. So I answered the phone. It's like, I was thinking, thank God I answered one of my good friends. She said, oh, Diane, I'm, I'm enjoying you and your cousin's um, uh, podcast. I said, oh, great. She said, that story about your cousin breaking her leg and walking home. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, it just shows that, you know, she told me a story about herself. And then she said that thing about uh, you know your parent, your ancestor buying a female and giving value. It's you know it's great that you all are talking about valuing, um, being valued. And so I was thinking right. when I first of all thanking God. Then she said something else to me about you know you're not you know I need you here. And I was thinking thank you for that because you know I was thinking God needs me here. You know and I was thinking thank her for that. God needs me here. God needs us here right now, Marie, for whatever we're doing with this. He needs us here. And that was a, that was kind of a, it helped my spirit that day. 
And you know, you know what I see that as I, well, first of all, I see you and I both, cause you, you know, you've been through a trauma. I've been through cancer is that for me, I see this exactly. time right now as bonus time, you know, bonus, right. Um, and I kind of see what you just talked about with your friend calling you, uh, and, and her saying something to you that you needed to hear. I always see those right. kind of moments as synchronicity. And, and I've had those happen to me throughout my life. And I had it happen yesterday. Um, you know, a meaningful, a meaningful exchange that I know that I'm in the right place at the right time. And it's not right. just because of coincidence, right? Um, and that's how you, when you know you're on the right track, as Campbell talks about, where you have all these synchronous, all these moments that are considered synchronicity, is I was out at Buckrow Beach, and I was I'd set up a booth to sell mm-hmm. my art and stuff from the shop. Yeah, and uh, it's a lot of work. You know how much work that is, right? <laughs> so, okay, so I'm out there, and oh, it's about I don't know about eleven o'clock when everything started to pick up and. I had all these people in the booth. I'm talking to a bunch of people mm-hmm. and I love that the most about the whole experience is just meeting the people and talking to the people. So I'm talking to all these people in the booth. And then there's a lady who's on the outside of my booth and she is sitting there and she's listening to the conversation. She kind of talks a little bit about, Oh, she just moved into a house too. And she talks a little bit about that, but she's sitting there and she's looking at, I had this mm-hmm. like three inch Buddha that mm-hmm. I had probably had for the last 15 years. But I had kind of um, taken it and upscaled it. I had, it was just a black Buddha, but I had put the. It's a when you meditate for a long time. There's this um, this blue mm-hmm. dot that comes in the middle of your eye, and it is you know it is your it is the two mm-hmm. eyes becoming one. That's what the Bible talks about. But it is okay. the insight, a portal, right? So I put a blue dot there. And then also I had put this flower like right at like mm-hmm. the heart chakra area of flower there. And it was just something that I had done. I had cast this thing in the shop and I mm-hmm. took it out there to sell it. It's like, I don't need it anymore. I don't need the symbol anymore. Right. Um, if somebody buys it, that's great. Maybe somebody else needs it. She's sitting there looking at the Buddha. Finally, everybody leaves and she says, I want to buy this. This is mine. It belongs in my new house. I'm going to show you where I want to put it. She shows me on the phone, this special little, this special little uh, desk. It's a white little table and the flowers that are in the background are the same flowers that I'd put on this booth. Synchronicity, right? It's like, uh, I looked at it. I thought, yep, it's time to let that go. Give it to somebody else. And it was hers. It was, you know, it was her. So she was so happy. That's a moment of synchronicity. So when you get to those moments where you know that it is, you know, it's not a coincidence, you know, it's a meaningful experience, then you know you're kind of in the right place, right track, your purpose, you're still Amen. in line. And in I alignment. think that um, if you, if you said prayer, meditation, and meditation, prayer, being quiet, and mindfulness, that if you started practicing those, some of that stuff would come to you. You don't have to go out searching for it. It will um, it will show up. It will show up. And because it, That's right. um, it, uh, one, 
and talking about one of my favorite meditations, one of my friends said I should be, I should tell people about this meditation since you talked. One of my favorite meditations that um, I used to meditate every day for 15 minutes. I should actually put it on my phone. But what was happening when I met it, I think I got afraid of the meditations. And so I have. I'm, Oh, oh, okay. I understand why you, yeah, yeah I can understand I can, I why you probably could. And now, since you said it, maybe I'll go back to it. Um, since she was talking about meditations, but my my meditation, it 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 it, it kind of led up to this meditation. Um, so I would put it on fifteen minutes, and then I would just sit and try to be quiet, and you know, hopefully, don't get the monkey mind. And then, um, it would be this meditation where I would meet God on the edge of the earth. And one time, um, it was always a process. Uh, one time I met him there and he asked me to come to him. So I came to him. And uh, as the child was sitting in his lap, but sitting, you know, like like a straight up, like I'm in a straight chair. And so he said, Diane, you are in my arms. Why don't you relax? Why don't you relax in my arms? And so I laid back in his arms. And so I think I woke, I, I came out of the meditation and then, then the next time um, yeah. I did it, I would just um, just go up. I would go with him and just relax, which I didn't even. And he said, why don't you know how to relax just with me? And so I, I finally learned how to relax with God. And then one day in, the, in this 15 minute meditation, he said, do you want to fly around the universe? So I said, yes. Yeah. So we started flying. And um, and so I woke up and I was thinking, okay. And then one time he said, I did this. So we were, sometimes we would take flights. And so one time he, I said, since we out here, can I go see my mother? He said, of course. And so I saw her and I just started crying. And she, and she said, Diane, why are you crying? I said, because once this is over, I won't see you again. And she said, why can't you just enjoy life and enjoy this moment? Why can't you learn to enjoy moments? Then, of course, I came out of it. Then I didn't want to do that anymore because it was too much. And so then I, I decided to start it again. And this time when I started again, it was, it was always a build. It took months for me to kind of relax again. I almost had to start over every time. And then one time when I finally got to where I could relax with God, and he said, she want to go for a flight? And I said, of course. And so he said, let go, let go. I'm going to let you go because you can fly. And so I started uh, like flying just above him. He was really my guide. I was flying above him. And so I said, well, let's go see my mom. And so when I saw her, she said, oh, I always, always knew you could fly. I'm glad you're finally flying. And so, and so I always told myself, oh, darling, don't forget you can fly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't forget right. you can fly. So, you know, mm -hmm. I told people that meditation is a way to stop living here, but live totally. You know, but we all can fly. And um, we have to let ourselves relax and fly. 
And, you know, a part of that is um, what I heard you say is it was it was more like a visualization. And also, I think the thing that stops people is thinking that they have to try to stop thinking in a meditation. And that's why people never can do it is because they don't go through that initial step of just listening yeah. to their thoughts. So not just allowing those thoughts to happen, even the ones that scare them. You know, that's part of that dragon. Even the ones that scare them, they don't want to think about it. They keep pushing it away and doing something else. Nope. Sit there with the thought. And then try to go to watching your breath. And then you're going to go back to a thought. Oh, wow, there's another thought. And then, nope, count your breaths. But don't try to stop the thoughts or they will come at you like a a a freight train. You know, because they're like, no, 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 you've been living in your head this whole time. Don't try to stop me now. You know, I'm you, you and me, and you're trying to tell me you're not your thoughts. Oh, yes, you are. You know, but no, listen to them and you will see that they are not you. They are just thoughts. They are things and you can stop them. So when I'm talking about meditation, Mm -hmm. I am talking no thought. You can get to a point of no thought where it there are no thoughts. You are you are fully awake. And there's a quote by um, Carl Jung. And this quote just hit me and I've, I've. I've done a lot of art around his, you know, him. Um, and he talks about you can own you your your vision will only become clear when you can look into your heart. You can't look outside, you have to look inside. And that looking inside is really deep, it's beyond all those thoughts. So once you can have a no thought place, that's when you really know that you are connected Amen. to who well, you my really are. Off the street. To always we talk like you and I talk. He's he, we we call each other and drop wisdom and knowledge. But he called me one day. And we were he always telling me stuff okay. that on another level. He said, "Well, Diane, um, thoughts are not thinking." And he said, "Just because you thought, that mm-hmm. don't mean you're thinking. You're not thinking clearly. You're not thinking deep. You're not thinking, you know, goodness and mercy and love. You just it's just a thought." It's- <laughs> It's, a, it's not yeah, popped in your head. That's all it is. It's just a it thought. just popped in your head. And That's right. Thinking. So don't ever think your thought is thinking. And I was thinking, oh right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he's yes. right about that. Yes. I mean, because yes. you can control it. Yes, he told me one time. You know, he's uh, been recovering alcoholic for like thirty years or something. And he said that, you know, uh, he was dating this woman and she didn't tell him, well, I don't know why you still go to those meetings because you are free. And he said, I go to those meetings because, um, you know, she said, well, you go to church. Why do you need to go to those meetings? And so she said, he said, when you go to church or any organizational type of religion thing, what they talk about is what they tell, you know, what they, what this preacher talks about. But he said, when he said, when I go to the meetings, it helps me with something else that I can't explain, but he said, I'm going to tell you what I, I was going to tell her, but I didn't feel like getting an argument. He said, when I was a kid, I, um, I wetted the bed. 
And and of course, I had sisters and brothers who made mm-hmm. fun of me. And so inside of me, even as an adult, I still have shame. And so that so when you get older, the shame just grows. You know, people could shame you. And he said, maybe that's why I started abusing alcohol, because I was ashamed. And I was using the alcohol to cover the shame. And he said, so I could never go to a, a organized religious setting and say that. They don't, it's not space for that, but I can go to those meetings and say that. And somebody else will have the same, and that, you know, I might help somebody else to help them with their shame. And so I was telling him that, I mean, I was saying mm-hmm. that because I think that all types of, um, you know, what um, Campbell was talking about, rituals. We don't have a, those types of rituals. You know, we have Christmas and Thanksgiving, those types of rituals, you know, and graduation. But because our country is so new and so diverse, we don't have rituals in places that we can really still mature. You know, I think most people in this country are very immature. Um, because we don't have things that teach us maturity or prepare us to be adults. Um, it just prepares us to be consumers and, um, and be religious, but not really spiritual or mature. You know, I still think it's immaturity, um, how, we, how we are. And, and, and you have to really be intentional to come mature. Um, you have to, you have to really, you know, like you're talking right, about right. You know, your, your maturity, you've taken meditation to, to mindlessness where you're not thinking, uh, you're not, you're just, uh, being who you are without thought. So, so you have to intentionally this, you know, right. develop a pattern of meditating until you can get to that point where you're not even monkey mind. You are no, it's no thoughts. You know, it's thoughtless. Um, so you are just the existing, and um, as a human being on this planet, and so. Um, but most people are not. You know, they think that. I say most people. Uh, the uh, dean of our chapel, I would say, don't say most. He's a psychologist. Don't say most people say I, I, uh, I myself have intentionally decided to be spiritual and mature, and so it takes a lot of work. And, and also, you know, some days I might fall back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it takes work. And, you know, most of us, mm-hmm. I don't want to work all the time. It's easy to be immature, yeah. but maturity is so much better, you know, to put away my childish ways and try to be mature. Um, I, I still have a sense of humor, though. You know, uh, I'm not so old that I don't laugh and have fun. Right. Yes. You know, I think about um, Mm -hmm. you talked about us being a young country and consumerism. And I think about Mm -hmm. um, like Japanese, like the Japanese, the Japanese, they have they have all these different like concepts. And one concept they have is they've kind of, you know, they're go slow type of country, you know. Um, but they've kind of have developed the, uh, a way to be able to determine, mm-hmm. you know, where that center spot is for you in your life. 
uh, forgot what it's called. Mm-hmm. It's something like Ikigai or something like that. But it is, they take, they take, um, they take, they say, okay, they say, come up with, you want to come up with mm-hmm. your purpose, come up with what you're good at. What are you good at? You know, you know, do, you know, you know what you're good at. You figure that out. If you don't know it, you know, do something like finder. So what are you good at? And then what do you love? What is your passion? You know, maybe two different things. What is your passion? And then they say, okay, you got that. You got your purpose. You got your passion. But what does the world need? What does the world need? Why can you solve a problem in the world? And then that that fourth thing is that key thing, especially if you're trying to tie it all together mm-hmm. and make money at it, is how can you get paid for it? So you can do those, you know, kind of take those four things and I, it's kind of like a diagram. If you can get to the center spot of that, you know, then you you can mature into, you know, that purpose becoming something that you love doing, the world needs, and people will pay you for it. Right. But we don't have to me, we don't have yeah. stuff like that. We just have how much money can I make? <laughs> what can I make the most money? No matter if it's good for the world or not, you know. So, you know, so you're right about these older cultures. They've kind of developed more concepts that are more, you know, good for the earth, you know, good well, for you know, people, that type of thing. So you're right about that. Four things, uh, and I was thinking if you could hit put all those four things in a bullseye you would hit your mark you would you would hit the mark and, and that's and right sin is uh said one of the definition of sin is missing the mark you know so so i was thinking right if we start developing rituals a way we speak talk act even if we're little kids of the purpose what are you good at um what was the other thing? Uh, what are you? What you love? What's your? What's your love? What you love? Like what that, is your passion? You know, the scripture said, it, "It all these it will come to you." You know, it will come to you. You don't have to go out chasing it, sitting on resumes. Right. It was. <laughs> it would. It would. It would monetize itself. And <laughs> right. It goes back to you know what you were saying about um with the Japanese, but most people in other countries you know because now most of this world is westernized but um they've tried or we try to put our values on there but just think if we were truly living like that we would really be taking care of the earth you know we wouldn't you know we would be living i've read i've kind of read through um met campbell through um he's he also talked about native americans and um Yes, and uh, what's yes. name? Uh, Chief Seattle, Totem poles. The person who, uh, the, the, the Indian tribe who owned mm-hmm. Washington State and up in that area, they said that uh, Chief Seattle believed that the the water and the fish and the trees were their sisters and brothers. And and those sisters and brothers took care of them and and, and, and they reciprocated by taking care of their sisters and brothers. They wouldn't overfish the river because why would you misuse your sister or brother and they wouldn't cut down trees just to build another house because they was living in a you know in a place so why would you cut down the tree why would you misuse your sister and brother and we don't even you know most of us don't even go understand nature or even look at nature but every time like the other day I was going to buy something and I was thinking 
So everything we buy comes from the earth. And so we're just buying to be buying because we're taught to be consumers. We're not taught to look at things that we get. It came from one of our sisters or brothers. And so if we thought like that, we wouldn't just be mm-hmm. buying to be buying or getting to be getting because we realized that everything that we use came from our sisters and brothers. So do we, do we need all this stuff? But we, do we need all this stuff? And so uh, we're more stuff oriented than um, connected with this, the universe and the planet and what the planet, how the planet works. And I think that the only way in the future for this thing to work, this thing called life to work, we as human beings need to get in touch with every, get in touch with what's around us, not just what we buy and what we can get and what we can get delivered to our homes. But how did this thing work? And maybe we need to start teaching this to our children because we just teach people to go to go to school, go to college, get a good job, you know, and buy three bedrooms, four and a half, four bath, four bedrooms, three and a half bath and get a car. So I think that's our model. That's our ritual. That's our coming to age ritual in America. And so maybe we need to change the model because we don't really. Well, I think that (laughs) COVID-19 just threw a wrecking ball into that model, right? Because school is not open. Mm -hmm. You don't go to the building for your job, right? So I think that that's upon us right now where where people are going to have to figure out really what's important and the way we were doing it is antiquated. When when everybody, when the world was locked down, that the planet was healing, that, you know, the water, I think in Italy, I didn't know those canals were blue, you know, when those, those, uh, those condolas went, those, uh, uh, those little boats went down, I forgot the name of them, uh, the water was blue. It was dolphin in there. You could see um, jellyfish. And and so, you know, animals was walking the streets of most right. cities because, you know, the traffic wasn't there. So they could go back to the old stomping ground, see what was going on without people killing them. So I think that we, as mm-hmm. like you said, it was a wrecking ball. If we can understand that, um, one of the things, I have a Facebook page, I mean, an Instagram page, and I just put nature up there a lot because it's a sustainability Instagram page that I have. And um, when I go up there, it's called Mom's Mom's List, but List is spelled for Y. And, uh, and Mom stands for Mothering Our Mother. Um, mothering Our Mother. Mother Earth is our mom, so let's mother. She's mothered us, so let's mother her. So when it, sometimes when I put pictures up there of wildlife and trees and those types of things and I was thinking wow this thing first of all nature is amazing and also God is a great he's one of the greatest artists and creators that I was I can't I don't how does his mind work the animals and the ants and the elephants and the all kinds of things the sea life um uh, it's all kinds of trees it's all kinds of birds it's all kinds of flowers and, and all of them are unique. You know, they might uh, look the same, but like we are, we all are unique. And so if we can't believe there's a great creator out there, 
and he wants us to work in harmony and in unity instead of, you know, the, the nature's not against us. Nature's just there for us to stay alive. And it may be vice versa. We're doing something for nature besides we need to start doing more for her and started just misusing and overusing her. But uh, it's amazing that we haven't been taught about nature and how we can work in harmony with this the life that keeps us alive, uh, that gives us everything. And I, I think we are moving back to that. We are moving so. back to that, living living closer to the land. We're moving back to okay, that. Great. So, Diane, great. we're right at about 56 minutes right now. Almost an hour. <laughs> Uh, and this yeah. podcast, I'll kind of label this one as about purpose, uh, finding purpose. So we'll probably have to do another one about entrepreneurship and all those businesses and all those ideas. <laughs> yes. Uh, because we know we have a lot of them, right? So, uh, so in, in ending, I don't know if you've thought of your purpose. Well, you know. Um, um, and if you want to I share that. My purpose is... Um... What's the word you say? Synchronicity. I think, I think my purpose is very synchronistic. Synchronicity. Um, and I'll I'll say I think that I'm here to connect and bring and be a, a conduit for synchronicity. A friend of mine called me when she called. I was going to call her, but I never did. And she called me, and when she was talking about her business, um, um, so I told her to hold on. Because I had talked, I mean, I, someone, somebody sent me a, a flyer. So let me call this woman and see if you can go present being her, um, you know, she's having a fest. I mean, she has a pop-ups at her her gallery. And maybe if she was talking about, um, my friend was telling me mm-hmm. that, you know, she hasn't done anything with her business much because of COVID. Because, you know, she had, it's kind of like your business. You have to be out there with the people and she can't because of COVID. So I said, this lady's doing pop-ups. Let me call her. You know, and this lady is right. for the, you know, the, probably she's been doing it for 20-something years. She's the baddest pop-up person in D.C. for pop-ups, and especially for Afrocentric type of pop-ups. So I called her, and uh, she didn't answer, but she called me right back. So I put my friend on the phone. I said, well, tell her what you want. And so we, she said, well, I'm having a pop-up at my place this weekend, this past, this this weekend here so she's been having it since March I didn't know that so we went over there and she was like uh I thought it would be more people so we went in there and so you know the place is fabuloso and I and so uh and I it was she had another place but oh wow her mom was there it was was like six people there and she allows to go through to her home her home is the the place and so um and so she lives in the place. She lives in the other place. She actually lives. She in lives. Place she lives in the place. And so, uh, my girlfriend and I. I was talking to her mom, and my girlfriend was talking to her and this other lady. So, we got in the car. She said, "Diane, the lady wants me to do a fashion show with her, and use my products in the fashion show, and it's going to be Friday. Can you believe it? <laughs> that she wants me to do one with her, and she said, and so." I can't believe it. She said, Diane, thank you. And I said, okay. So I. <laughs> yeah. So I said. Making I those connections, helping people make you know, the right connections. What I do um, that, um, you know, 
I think mine is just connecting people, you know, and making those connections. We all connected anyway, so let's connect. <laughs> Everything is connected. So why are we right? Everything is connected. Time? You're right. We can connect and um, and make it a bigger place for met a better place for all. That's so. I think that's what God is sitting me here to touch people and to hold my hand, pulls their hand together and make it happen. And before we left, the lady invited us to, she gave us food and she wanted, you know, she was saying she's going to Africa next in 2021. And she said, you know, y'all should go with me. And, you know, I'm only on a trip. I'm sending y'all the information. And, and, you know, she does a lot of other things. And, oh, she also has uh, um, places in airports. And she told my friend that she maybe can put some of her product in her airport some of her airport locations because airport traffic is picking up. I mean, you know, <laughs> so she said, I don't believe it. I said, yeah. Oh, that's great. It's not that I don't believe it. I know. So you asked me what my purpose is. It's just listening and connecting. You know. I, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. That, Thank you. That is something you're but great not at. Me. It goes Both back of to those what things. The, the Japanese says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so what's your purpose? I've uh, mine. Um, I figured it out uh, a while back. I figured it out when I started doing my blog, right? So it was about, and it still is wow. about. Let go. Let go to let come. To let come. Amen. To let come. So, so first it was just letting go. But, you know, what I found is I've done more and more of, you know, that, and that's what all those jobs were. That's what all the businesses are. You know, it is, you've got to let go of what's not working. You got to let it go of relationships that don't work, jobs that don't work, places you live that don't work. And it's hard to do that because people think that letting go is something you do, but it's not something you do. It's something you undo, <laughs> you know, is the undoing of holding on. Right. So people hold on to this stuff and I was holding on to a lot of things, but I've learned that my purpose is not only for me to do it, but teach other people how to let go of what doesn't work so they can let come what will. And that, goes back to when you're in your right place, those doors are going to open for you. But as long as you're holding on to something that's not yours or it's not for you, you're never going to get to that place where those doors are going to open. Right? Because you're living somebody else's life. You're not living your life. You're living your your parents' life or something. So I think that's mine. Let go to let come. That's what I do. That's what I want to teach people to do. And, and it, it it re- it works for me. It resonates for me because I do. I did it yesterday at Buckwell Beach, listening to someone tell me about their failed relationship they couldn't let go of, trying to let go of him, but he keeps coming back, you know, and it's kind of keeps coming back to that, you know. Well, you're well, just talking about talking letting about go. Both of, you, you and know. I are authors, so you wrote your first book way before I wrote my book. Just quit. So we're gonna talk about. I love. Yeah, let's let go to let calm just quit this next book. Uh, fourth podcast is is authors. Just I, I, I have <laughs> okay. never asked you. All about, right, 
I'll just quit okay. so we That's... don't talk about that. All right. So great. Uh, one thing I can say, this didn't. Okay. This part, this purpose once was not what I thought it was going to be, but it was even better. So. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. All right. Okay. Enjoy so we dropped some knowledge. All right. See ya. Bye-bye. Talk to you next week.